Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as host Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Hello, everyone. This is Mike Abadir, the host of the Mike Abadir Show, and I am joined by my co-host, Gino Bicola. Gino, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Mike. Uh, we had a good week one of football, although good might be overstating it a little bit. It was kind of a lackluster opening week Wasn't of it? football. Wasn't it? I know. Uh, I know. Some, some, yeah, we had three games decided by seven points or less, so a lot of blowouts. That was actually the lowest number since 1973 when there was only one game Divided, uh, decided by seven points or less. We had the fewest number of touchdowns off, of offensive touchdowns scored in an opening week since 2007. There was only 56 touchdowns offensively scored compared to 57 scored a decade ago. And um, you know, we in from a fantasy perspective, it was a really low scoring week. And just kind of listen to some of the names that were at the top of the the fantasy list in the quarterbacks. You had Alex Smith, Matthew Stafford, Sam Bradford, Trevor Simeon, and Carson Wentz. Kareem Hunt, uh, Tara Cohen, Mike Gillisley, Leonard Fournette, and LaShawn McCoy for the running backs top five. Wide receivers, you had Antonio Brown on top, but then some, you know, interesting names that are neat. Stephon Diggs, Tyreek Hill, Adam Thielen, Kenny Galladay, and then tight ends, you had Jesse James, Austin Hooper, Jason Witten, Zach Ertz, Colby Fleener. So none of of the really big, sexy names. You know, we saw David Johnson go down with the big injury. Le'Veon Bell was a little bit lackluster. Julio Jones a little under the radar. Mike Evans didn't play. ODB was out. He'll probably be coming back this week. So a lot of people who were drafted early on in fantasy drafts didn't necessarily show up week one. Going to have to come back with a big week two, Mike, because statistically, since 1990, only 12% of teams that have gone 0-2 to start the season have actually gone on to make the playoffs. So, you know, this isn't baseball, this isn't basketball where you have, even hockey, where you have a lot of time to make up for a slow start to the year. An 0-2 start, you could be in some, you know, in some bad shape depending on how the rest of your division uh, division shapes up. Yeah, that's almost equivalent of going like 0-20 in baseball, right? Yeah. A 16-game yeah, season versus 162-game <laughs> season. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll have to talk about that uh, hopefully towards the end of the show about the Dodgers because I know you're a big, uh, you believe Dodger Blue but let's talk about some of these matchups. Let's talk about the quality of play in the NFL. Let's see what our next guest thinks about some of the things that you just set up there. Our next guest is a former standout at Colorado State. He was a walk-on, so he's got a remarkable story. Went on to have a fantastic career at Colorado State. Finished with fourth all-time in the sacks category was an undrafted free agent, made the ball club for the Cincinnati Bengals, and had a really solid six-year career with them. I am talking about the mad backer, Adrian Ross. Big A, what's going on, my friend? What's going on, fellas? How you guys doing? Doing well. How about yourself? Doing great. I'm, you know, I'm G- great. Gino I'm just... Great. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. So let's let's get right into it. Gino gave us a bunch of statistics relating to this past weekend's games. I know there's a lot more that we could dissect Let's start with two teams who played really poorly in week one. I'm talking about Houston and your former ball club, the Cincinnati Bengals. Since he hosts them this evening after having a really, really poor performance, especially from their quarterback, Andy Dalton, high-paid player 
who committed five turnovers, four INTs, and a fumble. What's going on with Marv, and can he get these guys back on track this week? What do you think? Oh, man, you guys want to start right off in it with my whole squad. <laughs> and, and then the squad I got going to the Super Bowl is the Texans. Oh, That's man. My, uh, well, at least I got them in the AFC Championship game. You know, they, they both came out, both, both, both my – but my old squad and the squad that I'm picking uh, did did horrible. But, yeah, you know, the turnovers, you know, obviously turnovers, and that's been a problem for Dalton. Um, you know, the Bengals, whether it's suspension, whether it's injury, they're always, like to me, they're never really rolling on full cylinder. Um, and then when they, and then if they are, it's kind of like, whoa, you know, like, hey, the Bengals are winning. But, like, because of the not winning a playoff game, they always stay, like, everyone looks at them as like, ah, you know, they're still the little brother to Pittsburgh. You know, um, and, you know, you brought up Marvin. Um, I don't really think um, this game, you know, I I don't think I can put that on Marvin. You know, like, it's been a Dalton thing to me. You know, it's been a Dalton or Tyler Tyler Eifert's injured. Dalton's injured, AJ Green is injured, so like they got to get healthy. They got to stop getting getting us suspended, so they could have Burfecht out there on the field and have a chance. Yeah, you mentioned. Yeah, what do you, uh, oh, go ahead, you, and, you know? Sorry, Mackie. Burfecht and and uh, Pac-Man Jones were both missing last week. Um, they have a new running back in Mixon who's trying to get the field. The one question I wanted to ask you: What do you think it's like? And how do you predict this backfield going forward? Because I'd have to imagine, I'm obviously not an NFL running back, but I'd have to imagine if you're Bernard, if you're Hill, or if you're Mixon, it's probably not easy for these guys getting, you know, six, seven touches in in game one, not really able to get, you know, the 15, 20 touches for any of them to get going. How do you see this this backfield projected going forward? Definitely, you know, I think that, uh, I mean, you're exactly right. And now with, you know, Zampezi being being the old coordinator, he was a quarterback coach when I was there. Um, I know he could dial up some uh, unique plays and formations, and they did it in the past with Rex Burkhead. So I kind of look to see them getting getting more use. But I I do agree with you. You know, I think that they need to you know say who's going to be a running back, and to let that guy get into a groove and let him run. And and as as the season goes on, I think that we'll probably see more of Mixon. But knowing Marvin and, uh, you know, knowing how young Mixon is, you know, Marvin's a guy that likes to slowly bring bring the younger guys along. You know, like he's more of a veteran guy. And um, <clears throat> so I think that at the beginning, you know, I think that we're going to, um, you know, we'll see Hill and the veterans. But then I think later on you'll be able to come with, 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 with some fresh legs is what I'm hoping. Because <laughs> I think Mixon is probably the talent, the most talented out of all of them. You know, and we want to uh, ask you about Marvin and, and your thoughts about his career so far and playing for him and things of that nature. But before we get to that, on the other side, what did you think of O'Brien's decision to bench Savage and bring in the rookie quarterback? And kind of is that a disruption for the team? Is that good for continuity? What, what are your thoughts? I know you got some opinions about that. Oh yeah, I mean not at all because of I mean I mean I think it is actually uh, I don't know why I said not at all but I think it's a disruption um, in the continuity. I mean you know for me I kind of wanted to see Watson right from the start because what what 
what we saw last week is we saw Beckham didn't play and we saw what the Giants' offense looked like. Um, they haven't signed left tackle uh, Dwayne Brown, the Texans, and mm-hmm. they couldn't block anybody. Like, what was it, 10 sacks from Jacksonville? Ten. Now, Jacksonville yep. has been loaded up on defense, and that's what we've been waiting to see. Um, but at the same time, you know, Savage is back there holding the ball. Uh, you know, he's just a sitting duck in the pocket. So to me, a lot of things you have to weigh out. It's like, cool, you're trying to go with that guy. But, um, I, you know, I've seen them in the preseason. I thought Watson would come out and be the guy. And then to just pull, pull, pull Savage so early and go with Watson. And then now, the, you know, I get that they're playing the strategy of we don't want the other team to uh, prepare for who's the quarterback. But, you know, <clears throat> um, for me, you can't. You know, your quarterback is your leader, and you can't undermine your leadership. And that's, that's, that's what's bothering me about it, you know. And, and the defense didn't, didn't look as, as sharp as they did. And I know now that Mike Rabel has taken over as the D.C. and whatever they did with Romeo, but I think that there's some stuff going on there. And then you have, you know, here comes Cushing again being, being hurt, <laughs> you know. And uh, so they have a lot of personnel issues going on over there, and, and I don't think that playing with the quarterback helps them at all. Well, that, this that, is a, a really interesting game, too, Adrian and Mike, because whoever loses this game is in real big trouble. We're talking about starting 0-2. Houston goes to New England in Week 3. They play on the road. And then Cincy goes to play Green Bay on the road Week 3. So you look at these two teams – and it, you, you hate saying must win so early on, but, you know, this is a big, big game tonight on Thursday night. Adrian, you mentioned Houston has seven players that they've already ruled out for week two. They have three tight ends that are in the concussion protocol. They're really going to – and that's the thing that you kind of you, you scratch your head and you wonder about, is this the best situation now for Watson to be out there? You mentioned no, you know, no tackle, uh, Dwayne Brown's still out. Now you have three tight ends who would help the blocking a little bit. They're not going to be in there deep. Defensively, they have a couple injuries. Watt already was uh, banged up a little bit in week one. So, you know, it, at least they're not playing necessarily a team who was dominant in week one. But you wonder, is it the best situation to get Watson out there? This is already the ninth different quarterback change that O'Brien has made since he took over in 2014. So we see these moves. They just they haven't been able to really find someone back there. You know, in that same time, it's been just Andy Dalton at Cincinnati. And in the same time period, Houston's had nine different signal callers back there so this, this is a really interesting game tonight yeah, yeah and let me throw one I mean, one more thing about this game for people right. to look out for by the way is that the Bengals are going to be starting the speedy wide receiver john ross he's the kid that ran 4-2-2 at the combine this past year one of the fastest players in the nfl uh he was uh nursing a sprained knee during preseason so We'll see if that can add to the Bengals' dynamic and see if they can score some points because they got shut out last week. Definitely. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like they, they, they definitely need that other deep threat up on the other side to help out A.J. Green. And, and for me, like, they need to move A.J. Green around. You know, I, I think that, like, that's what, you know, if Tyler Eifert's, you know, like, we never know whether he's going to be in the lineup or not. You know, like, he's been hurt a lot. And so when you look at the weapons for... Dalton, you know, I think that that's where he gets into problems because their offense gets kind of like, we know who they're going to. <laughs> and the defense knows who they're going to. And, and that's where I think, that's where I think that we see the turnovers. But yeah, the Texans, um, 
I don't know. You know, with all those guys being out, they they are one of the deeper teams in the league. So they should be one of the teams that should be able to sustain um, with the concussion protocols and with all the other injuries because their backups are like starters. And on the flip side, I don't see that depth anymore from uh, Cincinnati, especially at the linebacker spot. So we already have Burfecht being out. No, that's a good uh, observation, and, and uh, I'm interested to hear your thoughts about how your former head coach, Marvin Lewis, will kind of respond to some of these issues this upcoming week. Before we get to the break, because we got about a minute and change, what kind of head coach is Marvin Lewis? And he's the second longest tenured coach. He's been there since 2003. We all know that 0-7 playoff record that he's got. But overall, before we get to the break, just give us a couple words about what your thoughts are of him as a coach. And have they given him too much rope to work with? Or do you think... uh, you know, he's one of those guys that should have been dismissed like we've seen many other coaches in the NFL with the coaching carousel. Yeah, you know, uh, me being um, there, my last year there being his first, you know, I think I got to see a little different Marvin because he had to come in there and change the culture. And, uh, you know, he came in there getting rid of all the old guys unless you were a starter. And, um, you know, I think he knew his mission, and I think he accomplished that. You know, like, all of a sudden now, you know, like, with the last, last bit of Chad being there, they got on TV, um, you know, they, they, they went to the playoffs. And that, I think that shows the rest of the nation how bad it was in Cincinnati. <laughs> sure, you know, sure. Everyone's, everyone's putting them on the normal standard of, oh, you know, hey, Marvin hasn't won, but it was, you know, the 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 culture there was so bad that Marvin has changed that culture, you know, drastically, and um, I think that that's why we still see them there. And I don't think it's the same standard as most of the other coaches, where it's like, oh, you know, he hasn't won. It's like getting to the playoffs, being yeah. on TV. You know, like I mean, you yep. forgot. I, I played six years and never played Monday Night Football. That's a good point. <laughs> let's let's pick up with that right after this quick commercial break. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Life is complicated and sometimes we all need a little help, but don't have the time for a full hour-long session or don't know who to turn to. That's where BetterHelp comes into play. With BetterHelp, I can get matched with one of over 2,500 licensed and approved counselors and therapists and get help anytime, anywhere, totally private. For a flat weekly fee starting at $35, I can connect with my counselor via text, chat, video conference, or phone, which is great for me because I'm always on the go. And I can go back to previous sessions whenever I want through my secure account from anywhere in the world. It's a great feeling to know that help is there, affordable, private, and convenient to my schedule. We all can use a little help. Help. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash VA Health and register for free. You can try it for seven days without being charged on your credit card and get matched with a licensed counselor usually within 24 hours. Get BetterHelp today at BetterHelp.com forward slash VA Health. 
If you're looking for more information on firearms and the shooting sports, check out Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Kelly is the owner of McMillan Fiberglass Stocks with over 40 years of experience. Now he's ready to share some industry luminaries and their perspectives with you. If you're interested in firearms, whether it be for shooting, for fun, competition, hunting, or self-defense, Kelly is here to share his wisdom and experience. Listen live for Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan, Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back, everyone. The other ways to reach us are through Twitter, at Mike Abadir, A-B-A-D-I-R, at it's it's me, Gino B, or at Madbacker with two Ds. Welcome back, Big A. We were talking about the Cincinnati Bengals and Marvin Lewis, and you were talking about the fact that they've become a very different team. They have a different type of national appeal. Uh, Gino was just mentioning while we were on break how the division is an interesting one because you've had Super Bowl winners in the last you know, 10, 15 years with the Ravens and with the Steelers, and so they've been on primetime quite a bit. They've also had some negative publicity, obviously, with players, off-field incidents and things of that nature, and we were just asking you how you felt that Marvin Lewis was doing overall, so please continue with that train of thought. Yeah, um, so, you know, I had the, I think I got to see a different Marvin, you know, because that was the change to culture Marvin, and you know, having having you know seen him around and uh, seen him in pro days, and I've gone back there. You know, I see it. I see a different uh, Marvin than when I was there, and um, you know, I think he's uh, done an excellent job um, of changing that culture there. You know, it was like a lot of people. You know, a lot of stuff that for a player, you know, to be able to work in the in your work environment and stuff. Um, that was all I knew. You know, so I didn't know <laughs> how bad it was, you know, until you'd hear, you know, like a veteran come from another team and be like, oh, we had this over here and we had that. So, you know, the the year Marvin got there, there, there was a lot of things done. There was a lot of, um, you know, Cincinnati, like, culture and history being, being brought back. There was a lot of stuff that was done for the players that Marvin got done. And, um got the Browns to step up and spend a little bit more money. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, now, you know, they have top-notch facilities and things on break, you know, for breakfast, little things that um, people don't know that, you know, makes the players comfortable and um, can help you go out there and win games. And those are things that you think, uh, you know, C- Coach Lewis spearheaded? Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. It, it, was, it was all for, I mean, you know, think about it. We had a new stadium um, and there was no pitchers inside the stadium at all. Like now, I know it takes time, but still, like for I played, you know, two more years. Like before we got there, there was nothing inside, and nothing inside the locker rooms, nothing inside the hallways, no pitchers, 
No pictures of Kenny Anderson, Icky Woods, nothing that they went to the Super Bowl. No, nothing. Marvin's Marvin's year, you know, he came, boom, we started, you know, you'd have players of the week that would be up in the hallway, and, you know, you got to see things that, they, this is a football, you know, this, this, this is, this, this team has a history and, you know, and where we're going and, and, and the goals that were being set, you know, um, and for me personally, um, him being a defensive coach minded that, that he was, was the uh, game study, you know, like how we, how we prepared and, uh, you know, everybody's job. It was like he spelled it out. Um, it was, just, it was, it was, it was different. It wasn't like, you know, I think a lot of people, a lot of coaches, when guys get to the NFL, they're running their system and they want everyone to learn their system, but they're not really um, telling everybody what the plan is. And I think Marvin was real good in getting everybody on the same game plan. That makes a lot of sense. And, you know, Gino and I were talking about this last night. To us and to many people out there, the mark of a good NFL head coach is obviously a playoff run, You know, getting to the playoffs, uh, obviously, you'd like to win in the playoffs. They lost some very tight games. But the other measure as well is their coaching tree. And I didn't even realize how many. I mean, we hear about one uh, getting a, a, you know, a coordinator getting a job somewhere in the NFL and then another one over the years. But when you actually look at the cumulative total, it's pretty impressive. You've got Leslie Frazier, who was with the Vikings for several years. Hugh Jackson, who is with the Raiders and is currently the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. Jay Gruden with the Redskins. Mike Zimmer with the Vikings. Vance Joseph with Denver. Looks like he's doing something right on that front. Oh, definitely. You know, and that, that's, that's the fit right there. And then when you look at Cincinnati, you know, and you take those pieces, you know, when you're, when you're, when, when you're successful, just like how you just said it, those all those guys right there, all they're all gone. They've all gone off to be coordinators and head coaches, you know. And then at the same time, that's a lost. <laughs> that was a loss to Cincinnati, you know. Where and that's the climate that we're in now. You think like a little bit back in the day, you know, coaches kind of stayed a little bit, you know, longer, and they they you know, like think about if 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 half the names that you just said were still in Cincinnati. That's you a great know, point. Like, That's a great point. Yeah, you're right, because in yesteryear, it was kind of more like the, um, you know, you would groom a coach to be the heir apparent to the throne, right? I think back to maybe like a, a Bill Walsh grooming George Seifert to be the next 49ers head coach, you know, with Jimmy Johnson, with, you know, the Wanstat, you know, type guys and North Turner type guys. Obviously, Jimmy left, but those guys all get head coaches afterwards, uh, jobs afterwards because he was grooming them. You know, I think you make a really good point. Once you get depleted like that, it's really tough tough to replenish from the well, you know? Definitely. So, you know, let's talk about one of those coaches we we were just uh, mentioning. A, a team that I think is going to be a little bit better than, than they have in the last few years, and I don't think they're going to be at the bottom of the NFL this year, is, is the Browns. The Browns didn't look bad last week, and they had to play another unlucky start to the week. Wasn't it a typical Browns start to the season? They, they missed the number one draft pick who's been practicing well all offseason and training camps, and then a few days out he gets hurt and he has to miss week, week one. And then on the first drive of the game, they, they go three plays, they get their 
punt blocked, and they're down seven nothing two minutes into the game before before the season's even really started. They played very well the rest of the game, though. Their defense isn't bad. Their offensive line. What I like about Cleveland versus some of the other bad teams, their offensive line is good. So I think with Kaiser behind them, they're they're not going to necessarily get him getting him sacked over and over. They could run the ball a little bit. What do you think about Cleveland? I think they got a tough game this weekend at Baltimore, but just on the overall sense, it seems like they're really taking steps and they're really improving. Oh yeah, I fully agree with you. You know, and coach Coach Jackson over there, you know, I feel is a great great coach and uh, great mind and know knows how to get the best out of his guys. And um, you know, going the decision to go with Kaiser. Um, it's just funny to me because I, you know, I go back to Kelly, Kelly at Notre Dame when he was coming out, coming out saying he's not ready. <laughs> so think about, think about just a few months ago. You know, you have your college coach telling the world that I don't think he's ready and he should have stayed. And then now you're starting, you're, st- you're, you started week one in the pros for a guy that's not ready. You know, it didn't and, look um, bad. <clears throat> he was twenty to thirty. And, you know, yeah, it looked he didn't good. Throw, didn't throw bad at all. He looked good. He, he looks good. He looks good. I mean, he has a cannon, and and the thing I like about these younger guys is, you know, you <laughs> you don't know what you don't know, you know. So coming from college like that and learn, you know, we know it's more going to be the learning curve of you know rebooting your brain from what he had at Notre Dame to what he's now had to learn in the league. So. There's going to be a limited uh, playbook, obviously, because you, you got to run what he's comfortable with, and uh, what he's going to be, you know, what what percentages will be more successful. But he definitely has the tools, um, and now just like how you said, it helps like having having good good old line play, which I'm sure <laughs> they know that you know like that's the only fighting chance they have is is like they got to is like they got to do. Well, um, in um, the protection with him. Sounds like you're ready for takeoff. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's you know that's that's really interesting that you say that because I've actually got an emailer sending in an email and it's about the quarterback position. So maybe we could jump right into that really quickly here. It's a little bit of a lengthy question. It's from John in Temecula, and what he asks is, who do you think? is the best between the big three college quarterbacks. We're talking about Lamar Jackson over at Louisville and Darnold at SC and Baker Mayfield at Oklahoma. And who is the best pro prospect between the three? Have you had a chance to evaluate them much or watch much of their games, uh, Big A? Oh, definitely. Definitely. And what I will say is they're all the best (laughs) because – there's different styles, and like that's that's the number one thing that I think that that I that I've always preached is, I mean, you look at there's 32 teams, you know, and depending on what style you want to run, what offense you'd like to run, you know, there's obviously some attributes from others that are that are better, you know, and I think that um, too much now has gone on to where we want this. Proto, you know this this exact prototype, old school guy. But it's you know this is the this is the quarterback that we've been wanting since the eighties, and I'm like it's 2017, you know. So for me, <clears throat> the style, the style uh, that I would play, 
I had Baker Mayfield probably, you know, as probably the number one. But watching Lamar Jackson improve from last year to this year, when he stood in there and some of the throws he made downfield, I'm like, uh-oh, I don't know. I, I kind of have them right up there. Um, probably still give Baker Mayfield the nod um, for the pro game. Um, as far as, like, a Lamar gets to take off a lot, um, and I don't necessarily know if he can do that in the pros. Everyone, you know, we always say Michael Vick. And, you know, Michael Vick did that like a little bit, but you're still going to have to be able to pass the ball downfield, and that's what I'm seeing from him this year, and it's going to be hard. Um, it's going to be hard to count him out now. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I know Gino's planning to ask you about some of the college football matchups. You know, one of the marquee ones, obviously, is going to be Louisville and Clemson this upcoming weekend. There's a follow-up question from the same email, and we appreciate that. Thank you, John, is – why is it that some quarterbacks tear it up in college but then don't make good pro quarterbacks? What are your opinions about that? Um, yeah, it's just, some is just, um, you know, whether it's just the lack of uh, physical skills. Um, you know, I, I kind of look at, like, the success of um, I just lost the, the backup from Boise that was at uh, the Cowboys. What's his name? Kellen Moore. Was- Kellen Moore, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kellen Moore, you know, like how successful he was of a quarterback um, at Boise. Um, you know, a um, Tim Tebow, you know, guys like that. that Liner like, system, well, Tebow, the guy, you know, all the talent. I mean, he had, I think one time I counted, there were like 15, 16 other pros off of that team that were in the NFL when Tebow wasn't. So, you know, the quarterback gets a lot of the glory. So I think a lot of it is um, the media in college. You know, that's, they, they kind of take the pro and they say the quarterback is the face of the franchise. And, and, they, and I think that they overhype them and they get the public to believe that because they're good in college that they're supposed to be good in the pros. And um, a lot of them just don't have that skill set um, that – that translates over, and they already didn't, you know, so, but to the public, we say, well, like, why weren't they good in the pros? And it's like, well, we already saw that they, <laughs> that they really weren't that good in college. They had a great team that they played with. No, those yeah, are excellent talking points. about the USC Trojans. <laughs> we've, we've had a lot of them, you Definitely. know, from uh, Liner, Barkley, a lot of guys that they're, just like you said, you have all the pieces around them. Great offensive lines, great defensive lines. You have wide receivers, tight ends, running backs that all make it to the pros. So you're just littered with, with all this talent around you. It makes dropping back in the pocket and not getting hit and throwing, you know, 10-yard outs a little bit easier. <laughs> no, that's oh, exactly right. And don't forget about butt fumble, by the way, Mark Sanchez, you know. But let's, let's <laughs> yeah, pick exactly. up with the rest of this conversation right after this next commercial break. We are joined by the mad backer, Adrian Ross. And when we come back, we will ask him a little bit about his playing career, the charities he's involved with, as well as his current profession. He is a colleague of mine as an NFL sports agent. So we'll be right back with Adrian Ross after these messages. Internet flagship station for sports. 
Voice America Sports. I'm busy and so is my family. Leftover pizza and unhealthy takeout isn't really doing it for us anymore. Just ask my bathroom scale. That all changed when I found Freshly. For less than $10 a meal, Freshly delivers six meals a week, always fresh, never frozen, prepared by top chefs and nutritionists using the best, freshest, gluten-free ingredients. The best part is the menu is always new and fresh, just like the food, and it only takes three minutes for me to prepare breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and there's no messy cleanup and no dishes. My family loves the choices and the taste and freshly delivers to my home and my office so I eat healthy all day every day. If you're tired of the same old cardboard delivery and takeout, try out Freshly.com today and save $20 on your first order using coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Your taste buds and your scale will thank you. So save 20 bucks today with coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hello, everybody. You're at the barbershop listening to three guys talking sports. We got Big A, Adrian Ross, the Madbacker. Tweet him at, at Madbacker with two Ds. We're with Gino Bacola, my co-host. At, it's Gino. It's, it's, I always mess that up. It's me, Gino, it's me, B. Gino B. There we go. There you go. And at Mike Abadir. So let's change the focus a little bit and go back to your playing days, Adrian. You had a really solid career. Like I said in the intro, you were an undrafted free agent out of the university or Colorado State University, had a great career there, and you were a walk-on, you outperformed expectations, you got to Cincinnati, you made the ball club, you got more playing time because of your hard hits and your great hair, by the way. If you haven't <laughs> get a chance to Google it, Google Adrian Ross's hair because it was fantastic. And in your final season, you started 12 games in 2003, your sixth and final season with all with Cincinnati. Just out of curiosity, why did you retire at such a young age? Man, well, that's, that's, that's funny, too, actually hearing that, because, I mean, I think I, I was really the starter for 15 of them, but I guess that's probably going off of what group went out on the field first, probably for three of those games or something, because they probably gotcha. went out with nickel. Gotcha. Um, yep. But um, yeah, um, I was a starting Sam backer my last year there, and uh, I tore my knee week fifteen playing against the Rams. And man, I was having a hell of a game. Um, you know, for me, um, I was a run stopper. I think what um, 
where the problem I had when I look back on it was coming having to play defensive end at Colorado State instead of linebacker. I came in the league labeled a tweener. And so I went to Cincinnati as that outside 3-4 backer, um, pass rush guy, but really I was a middle backer. I was a Ray Lewis type, if you know, since everybody can understand that. And, um, you know, so I got caught in being so versatile. So I could play any linebacker spot. So I was always the guy moved around, and Marvin got there, and I was able to start at Sam, and boom, I tear my knee. And boom, I think it was just more of a matter of, you know, stuff happens. That's how I got my opportunity to play. Someone tore their knee, and then I, boom, I ended up being on the 53-man. And, um, you know, it's just unfortunate, just that old-school turf in St. Louis. And, um, you know, I think just with whatever Marvin, wherever Marvin and them were going, um, they decided not to... um, well, they cut me and signed me back, and then I went to Pittsburgh. And then uh, some some guy there, they decided to go with by the name of James Harrison, you know. Oh, uh, I've, I've heard of him. <laughs> I've heard of him. You know, and he's, he's in a similar that, situation uh, right now, too, with, you know, uh, with Watt. The money made sense, you know. Yeah, the money made sense to go with him. Um, so, you know, there was no uh, regrets. It was It was a good run, but, you know, I think it was just timing. You know, and having lost at Cincinnati, there was no coach in a position other than Pittsburgh because Dick LeBeau had just went there, and it was kind of a blind side. Like, I wasn't the worst linebacker there. A lot of people think that when guys are cut, it's like they're not good or, you know, they're the worst. You know, they were the last best guy on the team, and it's not necessarily that. It's a lot of money and a lot of other things go with it to be able to uh, make a 53-man roster up. I know that well. I know that well. So during your time in the NFL, who is the best player you went up against? Who was the the toughest, nastiest, uh, you know, the guy that we're like, wow, this guy live is like a video game. Um, as far as like just just me just looking at a football player or me personally playing against like that was tough for me. Give us both. Okay. The the best player by far would be Barry Sanders. Um Looking at Barry and the things, the size he was and what he was able to do was just like mesmerizing. Um, Michael Vick in there with, you know, at the beginning, the amazing, you're like, wait a minute, man, like, <laughs> look how fast that dude is. You know, the, the, the two fastest guys I've seen moving were like Michael Vick and Randy Moss. But um, me to personally play against was Alan Fanica. You know, so being the linebackers, you know, a little bit more boring. And so you're not really paying attention to those guys, but that that dude was a solid, <laughs> solid, solid guy. I, I I just don't know how. I mean, I, I was a hitter, and um, I I tried to go after that guy a couple times, and I had to tell Joey. I said, I'm done. I'm done. I tapped out. I'm <laughs> I'm not going after him like that anymore. <laughs> That's funny. So, is there a a specific play or a sack or a tackle that really stands out in your mind? You know, something that you're really proud of. Yeah, um, I'd I'd say, um, you know, I always had to kind of talk. You know, I always had that chip on my shoulder. You know, when I came into Cincinnati, being a free agent. You figure the guy in front of me was a first-round pick. Takeo Spikes, Brian Simmons were first-round picks, and Steve Foley was a third. And I just felt that they didn't, we weren't physical. And I was a physical guy, so I was always speaking on I was like, oh, man, like, I'd knock that guy out. Like, y'all are just out there just 
you know, pillow fighting. So I was always talking and telling guys that. So Brian Simmons got hurt, and they moved me to middle. So then everybody was like, okay, Ross, okay. Yeah, like, now we'll be able to see what you're talking about. And I came through in Pittsburgh, and I smacked Jerome Bettis, cracked him. Wow. And, uh, and I told everybody, I said, okay, y'all still watching? Y'all still watching? <laughs> and then the very next week, we played the Titans. And I, rest in peace, I, I almost flipped Rodney Thomas. Um, you know, same, same thing in middle. I mean, so that's when they said, okay, you know, like Ross is, Ross is uh, for real. So those, those, those two for me, you know, being able to talk it and walk it. Now, wow, that's question a good for you that, that's involving these, these plays in particular. I, I was noticing some of your tweets the other night, too, uh, during one of the games. And as a fan, how uh, I'm so frustrated at some of these personal foul calls and the penalty calls on the defensive players. I mean, as a backer like you were, or as a defensive player, it's got to be impossible when you're going full speed, 100 miles an hour, you know, 100 percent. You're, you know, you're trying to tackle a quarterback or a receiver or a running back. They bobble the ball. They, you know, they adjust themselves slightly, and then the, the, you know, then the defensive player gets called for a personal foul or for targeting. That's really frustrating, and that's a penalty that we I saw pop up three or four times over week one, and there were three or four times where I said. That's not a penalty. That was not targeting. But, you know, I saw one in Minnesota where, where Cook kind of bobbled the, bobbled the ball, and, um, and they got called for a penalty against Cook because it was kind of a helmet-to-helmet, but you could tell they weren't trying. That's got to be such a tricky situation for you as a defensive player. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. I think, like, did, didn't they hit Diggs? Yeah, yeah. Wasn't that the big hit on Diggs? And that, that's the perfect example of the one that I'm talking about is he did not hit him in the helmet. They, uh, but I, I can understand how live it's the reaction. is When you get a hard hit, you, that helmet's heavy on your neck. So if I hit you backwards, your head is going to fly back. So everyone has that in the mindset. They go off of the illusion of the head flying back equals you got hit in the head. And I'm like, number one, the face mask is not the helmet. But that's something that they're trying to, you know, like they're saying the head area is the helmet. And I'm like, no, like if you grab a guy on the side by his helmet and tackle him, have you ever seen them call face masks? <laughs> you don't know. The guy just goes Good down not to tackle. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's what that's what's bothered me all the time. But you're exactly right. It it would it would definitely be tough now because what they've turned it into is too hard of a hit equals targeting. Yep, that's it. You're right. Only only on the defense. Yeah. Like I'm I'm still waiting for the equivalent penalties on offense. Like what's where's where's the automatic fourth down penalty at? Right? Like, illegal touching, third and 30, automatic first down. Five-yard penalty, automatic first down. <laughs> what? For illegal touching, like, why not just five yards? Why, why is it automatic first down? Where's the automatic fourth down penalty at? Sounds like you should yeah, be on the rules committee. Yeah. <laughs> and that's frustrating. You know, Those are the like, plays that just change like the whole complexion of the game. Don't take you know, away free, all the other good that, that we everything. did to have. Uh-huh. Huh? Go ahead, Gina. Oh, yeah, no, those are the plays that just changed the whole game, too. You know, your defense is starting to get a little momentum. You're doing what you're told. 
hit this guy, put him right into the ground, and then you do that, and they call a penalty on you. It's just so frustrating. Yeah. It just sucks with automatic first down. And then what is the targeting penalty on the running backs that they said they were going to call? I haven't seen him. I haven't seen him. <laughs> I only see defensive fines and penalties. And I'm like, man, I mean, like how much? I mean, look at all the money perfect is giving up. <laughs> it's just Good ridiculous. point. Good point. Hey, we got about a minute and a half before our next commercial break, so let's take a look at this email here and uh, throw it out there to uh, both of you guys. Uh, Kenny from Oceanside is asking, who are you guys' Super Bowl picks? So why don't we start with Adrian? I know you'd mentioned that Houston, you felt before the season would go pretty far, but who are your Super Bowl picks? I have the AFC Championship game, uh, Pittsburgh and uh, Pittsburgh and Houston, and um, oh man, Kansas City popped in there though. I don't, um, but that's 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 where I'm going. Then then on the NFC side, I have uh, Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay. Interesting, and interesting. Nice, I like okay. that. Uh, I I think the Packers are going to be tough. This is a big game this weekend. They play at Atlanta, and if the Packers win at Atlanta, they'll be two and zero beating Seattle and Atlanta, two teams that will probably be at the top tier of the NFC. So I think Green Bay is going to be tough, especially if they can keep running the ball with Montgomery. As far as the AFC is concerned, you know, I thought the AFC was pretty pretty weak. It was top-heavy uh, towards the top. I do think Pittsburgh scoring-wise is going to be interesting, but keep an eye on the Raiders because if their defense plays as well as they did, Last weekend at Tennessee, that was a quiet win on the road and a pretty good win for against a team that a lot of people like this year in Tennessee. So I wouldn't be shocked to see the Oakland or the the Oakland Las Vegas Football Raiders step forward. <laughs> well, we we're going to go into the commercial break here. I'll just uh, go on the record and say Oakland as well, especially if they can. Um, you know, fix some of their defensive issues that they had from last year. They look pretty good in terms of stopping Mariota and company last week. And I'm going to buck the trend with the Super Bowl loser and go with Atlanta Falcons in the NFC. We will be back in a few moments with Adrian, the mad backer Ross. Stay right there. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Get ready for the Get Down with Hurley Brown. Want to get inside of the minds of the players and coaches? We'll talk everything sports, but with a focus on the NFL, NBA, and college football. We'll review and preview the week's big games. We'll talk about the draft choices and free agents and go inside the teams for news, recruiting, and what's next from the colleges to the pro teams. It's the Get Down with Hurley Brown, Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific, on Voice America Sports. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. 
Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby on Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to Mike at the MikeAbadirShow.com. Now, back to this week's program. We are chilling with Big A. And that's a name that I've been calling him for years. I've known Adrian for, I don't know, 10, 12, 13, 14 years. And one thing about Big A is he's got a big heart. I know he's involved with a lot of really, really good causes and charity or charitable type of uh, events and things of that nature. Want to ask Adrian about that, see some of the initiatives that he's backing currently. If some of you guys don't know, he's put on in years past an annual basketball tournament the mad backer tournament at arco arena it's a celebrity tournament and he's even been able to pull mark cuban very curious by the way how you got mark cuban to attend and why don't you also fill us in on some of the things that you're involved with right now for the youth and all the good stuff that you do because uh i think it, it it's a word that needs to get out there man i appreciate that you know something i always said that if i um made it you know i I just want to be a be an example of the guys that were uh, before me that, you know, the tools I got from hearing Bill Cartwright come back and talk in high school and Kevin Johnson, so I know how important it is just just, just to be present, just, just, just to have a physical presence. So, uh, yeah, I had the Madbacker Foundation and had the Madbacker Celebrity Basketball Game, uh, benefited the Lupus Foundation, Boys and Girls Club, uh, Make-A-Wish Foundation, uh, one year when I had the whole old Raiders uh, wide receiving core out there, uh, Tim Brown, Jerry Rice, Randy Moss, Jerry Porter. Um, yeah, it's been uh, pretty festive over the years. <clears throat> um, now I have the Agent Ross Initiative. Uh, we're going to be uh, going to be starting that up. So uh, look look for that soon. I have Youth of the Nation uh, clothing apparel. Um, you know, now in schools uh, they. Uh, there's no more fundraisers, really, because they can't have, you know, they can't do the selling the candy and all the stuff that has to do with sweets and sugars. Um, so we um, we go into the schools and uh, we allow them to, you know, say a, whatever group the school wants to allow to do it, the arts program or any program they want. It could be the sports. And we let them uh, design a logo. Then we make the shirts, and they're able to sell the hoodies and shirts and items like that. And then we donate most of the proceeds, um, large portion of the proceeds, back to the school. So it's a great fundraiser for them. That's good stuff. That's really good stuff. And I know as an NFL agent, that's an important thing to pass down to the clients that we represent and you know, hope that they are backing such initiatives and giving back to the community and things of that nature. And as a sports agent, now that you've shifted uh, out of the player uh, hat and now you're wearing the agent hat 
you can always draw back on your experiences as a, as a player when you're looking at things like the CBA and things of that nature. It looks like there's already early talk of potential labor stoppage a couple years down the road. What are some of the things from a player's perspective and an agent's perspective that you think need to be corrected for this game to continue to thrive? And we're going to follow that up with a little quick discussion on the quality of play in week one. But what are your thoughts about the next CBA and what needs to be done for the players to make sure that this game is is a healthy game in the future? Um, well, number one, obviously the Roger Goodell thing. You know, I know that uh, they need to take that absolute power away from him. Um, but I think something uh, also needs to be done with um, contracts. You know, is when you have when you have a group that um, I'll give you an example. I don't know how to exactly say it right now. We have a little time. Is say when Colin Kaepernick was wearing the Beats. Uh, you know, all the players that were wearing the Beats headphones. So those players had endorsements from these companies. Then the NFL sees that, and then they turn around and say, "Oh, well, we signed a contract with Bose." So now you guys can't wear those beats. You know, something, something to me has to be done if, if a player has, you know, sought an endorsement first. You know, it, it should kind of be grandfathered in. Like, they can't, they can't go and get an opposing thing and then make a rule that says you could only use that now. Because it's like they're, they're taking money out of the player's pockets <laughs> That, that they already, that they had, that they got to the table first. Good point. Um, so I think, yeah, so I think a lot more should be deal, dealt with discussions of who holds what contracts. Because uh, all I've ever heard before was always money. You know, money, and I think the last one they dealt with um, less practice and playing time and so on and so forth. And, you know, like you said, we're going to get into uh, talking about the play, but that's, that's, that's what I feel about the CBA is uh, contracts. Like they need to be dealing more with co- who who has the contracts uh, versus money. Gotcha. Now we, we uh, unbelievably we only have about three minutes left. This hour is just flowing by. So I know Gino wanted to jump in with some questions regarding quality of play and maybe even just dive right into some of the matchups for this weekend and get your thoughts about those. So. Gino, why don't you we jump uh, in and talk about the Bucks? Yeah. And if you like the Buccaneers, as one of your favorite teams, we didn't get a shot to look at them last week. They had the their game canceled because of the hurricane. They'll be playing this weekend at home against the Bears. The Bears were feisty last week. They had they a chance were. to win the game. Jordan Howard dropped what might have been a touchdown with like ten seconds left to go in the game. What's your just kind of overall view on that game? Bears at the Bucks this weekend. Oh yeah, I think just like you said, they've been stingy, and uh, you know the coach over there, like the Bears, have done a great job in uh, getting getting personnel. I mean, I watched them on defense, and they've got some they've got some young defensive talent out there. Um, and you know, last week on offense, they're just doing what they they need to do. But with with the weapons that Jameis has and the leadership qualities that he has, that's 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 my edge that I'm looking for with them is the the talent mixed in with the leadership, you know, and I only think that the coaches can mess it up. Unlike on Hard Knocks when Dirk Cutter told Jameis, you're the only one that can mess it up. Of course, uh, <laughs> no, Dirk, you, you and the coaches can. <laughs> you guys are the other guys that can mess it up. <laughs> I got Tampa, obviously. 
The one other big game of the weekend that uh, I mentioned briefly earlier, it's a big game in the NFC. We have Green Bay at Atlanta. Atlanta beat Chicago last week. Offensively, they still look pretty good, but Sarkeesian might take a little while for him to kind of figure out exactly what's best with their pieces. Green Bay at Atlanta. Falcons are slightly favored in here, but this game is going to be a tight one. What do you think in this, uh, in this matchup? Uh, I'm going with Mike here. I'm going with the Falcons. Uh, I'm going with my old teammate, Marquand Manuel, the D coordinator for the Falcons. <laughs> and there you uh, go. I look for them with, um, is it uh, Beasley? Isn't it Vic Beasley off the edge? Mm-hmm. Being, able, being able to contain, like, with, with the, uh, have, having someone over there that will be able to cause pressure and be able to contain Rodgers. Because, obviously, when he... When he breaks the pocket and he extends that play, they're they're so dangerous. And you figure those against the Seattle D, those are the only plays he scored on. Well, hey, let me you jump know, in here, guys. Hours. We got a we got about a minute to go. Adrian, can we invite you back on? We've talked about your history and about some of the other things. Maybe moving forward, we can talk to you straight up about football matchups, things of that nature. Will you join us again? Definitely, definitely. Love love to be on. Uh, outstanding. Before we before we go. Gino gave out a fantastic racing pick last week, and I believe that he may have another one to dole out for those listeners who are wanting to make a few bucks. Yeah, let's go to the weekend, too, so he gives everybody a few days. Saturday, September 16th, Laurel Park, race nine. It's the grade three DeFrancis Memorial Dash. We're going to go to favorite tail on the outside. This horse ran September the 2nd. It was his first start since March of 2016. Lost to a horse named The Man, who was formerly trained by Baffer. That guy, The Man, has won seven in a row, five at Parks, one at Penn, one at Santa Anita. There is no speed in this field. Whitmore is going to take a ton of money. Um, this is a multiple graded stakes winner who has some back class. He's been behind Stallwalk and Dude, El Deal, Run Happy, Private Zone, Rockfall, AP Indian. Let's go to Favorite Tail on the outside in the ninth race on Saturday at Laurel Park. Excellent. Adrian, you are the man. We thank you for joining us. We look forward to next week. Thanks, Adrian. When, we're, when we are joined by Josh Booty, talking about baseball playoffs and the NFL and college football. Thank you guys for joining us. Have a great one. Gino and I will talk to you guys soon. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great week.